0: a nice word in Parshas The word actually says in Ba'am HaMchaim, in Parshas Lech Lechu, he brings this. The Pusik this week says, The Pusik is talking about having a shovel when you go out in the camps and have had to dig a hole. But the Ba'am HaMchaim says an interesting ram The person has to make sure that he's very set up, very firmly uh, um, grounded with the harvest in Yeris Hashem. So that when he goes out in the streets, when he goes out in in, in the world, and there's a lot of misyunas that may come a person's way and will come a person's way, he should be strong enough to withstand those misyoinas and, and 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 do what's right. He shouldn't get pulled in, the, in different directions. So the yesid tiedhu alasaneho is illusion that a person should be set firmly, Yesed neman. a person should be set with a havas as Hashem. strongly enough that that when he goes out, v'chofartu, the Kufartu, bisha. He should be ashamed to violate Hashem's will. He should be ashamed to do, to do an avaira. He'll be surrounded, you know, with, with only good things. And he speaks over there in Parsh Lechachu about how before he went to Mitzrayim, he knew that this was ervesa um, urat. He made sure that he was he was uh, firmly um, set up with his kesha to Hashem. his worried, and he wasn't gonna, gonna be influenced by what's going on in Mitzrayim. This idea, I mean, aside from the typical. Idea just making sure that a person is, is uh, set up enough and, and connected to Hashem enough that he shouldn't fall when has come. When it comes to Chinuch Abunim, this is also especially important. Today, in general, not only with Chinuch but with Khinuch also, there's such an emphasis put on on uh, you know secluding uh, children and 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 and, and was the word isolating uh, children not 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 being influenced and being protected and being uh, you know shouldn't shouldn't get that bad influence from the street and from things going on in the world and and the internet and everything else. And it's all true. It's all true. It's also important. If if children or even adults are exposed to things that that bring challenges, then it's not a question that it makes everyone that much weaker. Instead of saying however, there's no however. um, At the same time, when a person is not built and a person is not strong and a person is not set up and a person doesn't have that... That the strength and connection to Hashem and the Geshmach and Yiddishkeit, or however you want to uh, explain this, then naturally he's going to be, it's inevitable. People hit challenges. There are challenges out there, it's an open world. As much as we try to protect our children, as much as we try to make sure they don't, they don't see what's going on in the world and they don't, they're not tempted by it, it's all over the place. And it's just getting more and more accessible. So, And, and, and you don't have to go out there, you don't have to go into the street to have an Aswan, you can have an in, you know, in your own room grabbing a sign, anywhere. So it's so important that people should do what they could, both for themselves and their children, to make sure that they're, that they're strong enough to withstand other temptations because they're feeling good about themselves, they're, 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 they're feeling close to Hashem, they're feeling a like gishmark in Yiddishkeit, they're feeling, they're feeling um, um, satisfied and, and fulfilled, and, and automatically it's easier to overcome the challenges that do come our way. And this is not in any way... You know, to make it sound like, oh, so we don't have to protect ourselves anymore, we just have to build ourselves up. That's not practical. And Chazal definitely t- tells us that uh, if somebody goes in a place with there's challenges and he could have gone in a different way, he's called Arusha. We don't say, well, you should be strong enough to withstand the challenge. No, there's definitely a lot of place for protection. Uh, but at the same time, without, without being built, you know, just, just living in today's world is, is enough of a challenge that can throw anyone off. So with that, let me read a letter. Again, it's one of those topics that I discussed a few times. Um, it, it, there's no there's no straight answer, which I'll discuss in a moment. And it's not one of the topics I like discussing. Even though some people don't discuss it at all, um, but I'll try my best and maybe talk about different things that might be relevant to people in similar situations. Okay. Hi, thank you for taking the time to read my question. First of all, I listen to you, Shulam, all the time. I really appreciate your clarity on whatever topic you discuss. Thank you. My question is regarding my oldest son, who the mitzvah mitzvah in a few weeks. I was discussing the topic of Bar Mitzvah with a friend, and she mentioned that her husband discusses body changes with her Bar Mitzvah boys. My husband says that his father never discussed these things with him, and it's not important, and doesn't need to be mentioned. My question is, in the Chesidish world, is this something that is discussed with Bokhrim at any point? Do I leave it up to my husband to decide? Okay? So, um, two innocent questions. One is, in the Chesidish world, is this discussed? body changes with a bar mitzvah boy and number two do I leave it up to my husband to decide okay two, two good questions so like I just started saying it's a sensitive topic it's a topic people get passionate about it's a topic people try to avoid it's a topic that you know there's all kinds of different opinions um, the first thing I want to say is that you should definitely have your own mentor and your own das and your own um, authority who you trust to guide You, in your life, and your decisions. And and that's what you got to do. There are different opinions about this. And the problem is that, like every topic, there are different opinions, first of all. People are gravitated toward different things. This talks to me, it doesn't talk to me. I like this opinion, that opinion. Especially when there's a lot of opinions. The problem is, especially when it comes to something like this, uh, which is a sensitive topic. Many people jump to conclusions either based on, okay, in this case, what my friend told me, which is also... One of those killers when it comes to sensitive topics. My, my friend said, my sister-in-law said, my neighbor said, um, this one said, that one said, if it's a teacher, it's a machaneches, it's a rabbits, and it's somebody who who, is, you know, who who has the position to say something and, and is credible and stands, and stands by their word and knows how to guide you with it, that's one thing. But the fact that your sister said something, or your sister-in-law said something, or your friend said something, and their Rob said something, my sister's friend's Rob said something. So isn't that an opinion? It is an opinion but has nothing to do with you. And that, that's, that's very important. But aside from that, when it comes to sensitive topics like this, like giving education to a boy, he's growing, he's going have questions. What should, we, what should we expose him to? What should we not? What should we try to hide? What, what if he finds out? A lot of the, a lot of the way people um, deal with these kind of things is based on their feelings because they're very passionate about how they feel. Either because they've been through a difficult, um, traumatic experience, by being told something or by not being told something, or they 're resentful that they weren 't or uh, what, what, whatever it is, a lot of feelings come to play, and people jump to conclusions based on how they feel about something without realizing that that might not be the way to make a decision when it comes to something um, to something this sensitive and it is sensitive it is sensitive, and the repercussions and the outcomes are, are definitely uh, I understand why people get sensitive and passionate about it. Just my point is that being passionate and sensitive about something is not a reason to make a decision. There are those who say more, and there are those who say less, and there are all kinds of different approaches to this and similar topics. Um, and there's pros and cons to everything. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no magic, there's no foolproof answer, there's no, there's no automatic. There isn't. It's, it's, it's nonsense to think so. Very many times people give these kind of you know, theories or ideas and everyone's like, oh wow, it makes so much sense to me, I want, I want to have that outcome that that person's promising. There's no such thing. Just this past week, somebody sent me something in the name. I'm going to mention it, even though, again, it's sensitive and it's irrelevant. But I just want to bring out a point. Without, I, I don't, whoever wants could give me feedback on anything I say. But I, I don't mean this point, I'm just using it as an example. Just as an example. Somebody quoted to me in Adam Godel, a da's teurer, a da's a competent da's Forget about, it doesn't matter what background, what kahill is, what kreisen, it doesn't matter. But a da's who said that it's very important to hug and kiss adult children, boys and girls, because everybody needs physical touch. And if, a, if a, an older boy or girl is not getting physical touch, they're going to go look for it elsewhere. That was the statement that this Goddel said. Now, I'm not in any way um, competent or, or authorized to give my, my own opinion, which is one of the things I always like mentioning. You ask my opinion, it's nothing to do with me. I'm not, I don't consider myself to be someone who has, who has an opinion or is in the, in the position to give one. So the second Adam Godl, who's a Shemaim and the al Khohman and Mahabit you know, says something, that it, it's an opinion. Now, all I wanna do is just use this as an example to explain what I meant before. Would we assume that in the communities or cities or places or environments where parents hug and kiss all the children naturally? They don't they don't even they don't even have to be told. Right? They're not even asking this Adam uh, Aden who said it. They're doing they're doing it naturally. Are we gonna assume that those adult children are automatically um, more more protected from unfortunate um, and, and uh, unacceptable, inappropriate physical touch? Are we going to make believe that, oh, so it must be that in places where parents automatically and naturally hug and kiss their older kids, oh, it must be that the, that the kids never needed anywhere else. And it must be that in all the places, whether it's a more chassidish place or whatever it is, where that's not the custom and you don't see it and, and it's not so done, there's probably much more problems. I think, and again I'm open to anyone saying otherwise, I think it would be somewhat unreasonable um, and unrealistic to think that that's really how it breaks itself down do I mean to disprove the idea? no, no, it could be there's some truth to it, it could be that in some experience or some people's experience or in some places, and I, I know all the different arguments people could explain why it is or why it doesn't or why it should have made a difference or why in some places it makes a difference that's not the point my point is that when somebody gets impressed with a certain statement and, and decides, you know what, I'm going to do that because I, I wouldn't want a to have the problem of not doing that, as if whoever does that has the magic answer, whoever doesn't do that doesn't have the magic answer. That's not how it works. I think the the attitude is that if that's what you're of and your and your and your Das Torah, your mentor, your Rebbe said, and that's his reasoning, and there could be some truth to that reasoning, then that's what you should do with confidence. And you shouldn't doubt it, and you shouldn't say, yeah, but maybe not, but maybe it shouldn't be, and maybe if it was that way. No, the... the my point is just that there's a lot of pros and cons to def- different uh, Mahalchen. and I'm just gonna also add a, a cute uh, word that As Yisrael said, as Yisrael from Viznitz. Let uh, me first say it in Yiddish. He said, See der is der every rebbe, everyone who's teaching a certain way of serving Hashem, which is all that we're doing in this world, all that every dastard is trying to accomplish. To everyone, Hashem shows that his way is the right way. Whoever has a mahalach, whoever has a way, whoever has this, Hashem is showing that person this is the right way. And he's convinced and he's and he's, he's totally confident that this is the way. And he has every proof and every reasoning to believe so. Except the smart one is the one who knows that Hashem showed the same thing to the other one. That his way is the right way. It would be almost silly to think that the way I understand it and the way it makes sense to me and the way it ends up, it must be this is the way and if only everyone would do this, everyone would have all the good results. It doesn't work like that in real life. And Hashem has a lot of ways and and, and, and that's why it's so important when it comes to anything. Get your own guidance and know what you're doing and trust it. That, that's always my answer. Um, instead of getting passionate or just getting pulled into something, we're getting impressed by what someone said and your system was, you know, Rosh Hashiva said something. Anyway. But let me try to get to the question. You're asking me the question was uh, relatively innocent and, and straightforward. Is it accepted in chesidish circles to talk to boys about body changes? Um, I actually, in preparation for this year, asked a Rav, who's not a chesidish rov actually, um, comes from, from some chesidish background, but more involved in the, in the yeshivish world, and he told me that, from what he understands, and the same, I understood the same thing, I was just trying to make sure that, you know, he says, from what he understands, generally in the chesidish and yeshivish circles, it is not accepted or it's not the typical approach. Now, I know there's always exceptions, and some people are going to point them out to me. But in general, it wasn't the accepted way to sit down a boy and say, listen, this body changes, this is what's going to happen, this way you have to be aware of, and this whatever. It was not the way to do it. I do know, and I've heard this from people not too long ago specifically, that in certain places, there was a certain way of educating specifically about this and other sensitive topics. I actually made a trip down to somebody who belongs to a community that has such a mahalach, and I heard it firsthand, and I, I'll, I'll admit that I was impressed by how it was being presented. Um, so I'm definitely saying that this... And, but then I went back, and I discussed it with somebody else. Again, just to get ideas from different people who are competent, and, and, and are, have clear das toira, and clear of how they were taught, and how, who they asked, and why it's set up that way. And he told me, no, we specifically did not do that. So I'm, I'm fine being respectful to the fact that there's different opinions, and knowing that each one has its midas and chasranas, Knowing that there were those who specifically wanted to be more explicit and believed that that would be helpful and avoid problems, and there were those that held that know, that might cause more problems. I, I personally feel that there's no way to prove either one, even though some people might think there is. And in general, it's, it's clear that in the in asking what was done in Siddhartha Circles, um, the idea and the way it was phrased to me when I asked about it from more than one person who was quoting more than one was that it's from the These are things that, you know, the less you speak about it, the better. That's, that's the general attitude and of course uh, whenever it's necessary it will be addressed and should be addressed which I'll get to in a minute um, I, I will also say that things do change over time and I know that in certain khadurum, certain Talmatoidus they do bring in people to a ninth grade 8th grade or 7th grade and, and discuss certain topics in a very gentle way but clear enough that boys should try to that should be able to understand what's, what's being spoken about without it causing too much problems but then again, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely being addressed very sensitively by somebody who knows what they're doing, and not just anyone who has a nice idea about what they would have appreciated being told, and now they're just giving it over to the son without realizing what repercussion that might have. Um, there is there are things that I think everyone does understand that you machanach small children, you shouldn't touch yourself inappropriately, right? You start telling that the kids when they're young enough that they don't even question necessarily why. Not always does it help. I think it's a it's a typical hint that I think children are supposed to be told um, and and generally there's something all encompassing about that um, to avoid certain things later on where somebody couldn't where somebody shouldn't be able to say well I didn't know okay well, I'm not going to go into the details but if if at any time somebody does feel that it's necessary to introduce somebody to something whether because they feel it's really needed, or they see that it's needed, or for whatever reason they feel that it has to be addressed, it should definitely be addressed by somebody who's either a B'mitzvah Rebbe, or somebody who has experience in this, or somebody who has a, cl- a clear way how and, and who, he, who he got that from, um, how to present it, and a Zaivata. But it's not a question. This is, again, back to the general idea. If somebody's following their own Taoist Torah and their own something that they trust, um, there's no reason to, to not have the confidence in it. That's the way Hashem set it up. There's so many different opinions, and if somebody is, is lacking confidence in following what he believes in because something else looks more impressive or convincing this time, as if everyone would agree that that's true or everyone should be doing it a certain way, I, I think it's unreasonable, and people definitely have every right to follow with confidence you know, and to, you know, whatever they're being taught by whatever, and whatever it is that, uh, you know, that they're being guided. The other question was that, I uh, let my husband decide? And that's a separate question because even if I wouldn't have shared any perspective on the first question, right, let's say my husband wants to decide something else. He wants to decide that my son, Barab should put on We didn't do that, but he feels it's very important. Or he wants to decide, whatever it is that he wants to decide. Shall I let my husband decide these things? Now, it, it obviously depends where such a question is coming from. If somebody is trusting their husband and they feel good trusting their husband, and for whatever reason they're getting, they're getting the doubts from the fact that my, but my sister but my, my cousin said something, so maybe I shouldn't trust my husband, it's not a question that, yeah, stop right there and trust your husband. If you have a good relationship, and you have every reason to trust him, and he's doing something that you don't, you don't have an issue with, and somebody else is planting seeds of doubt in your mind that's causing something to go on over here in this relationship here, because, because that person might, would have frowned at it if her husband said, stop right there. A husband should be trusted, and a husband should be running a home, and when it comes to Chinich, there's no reason why you shouldn't feel comfortable trusting your husband, unless, again, unless there's other reason for it. But in general, yes, you should definitely trust your husband. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Now, if for whatever reason you're not comfortable trusting your husband, either because it's a general concern that you have with the way he does things, which I'm not saying is right, but for whatever reason you just don't feel easy about it, um, or because it is specific thing that's being done over here, you feel that you know this really does need to be discussed with somebody. I'm, I'm afraid that in this topic we really should be getting clearer guidance instead of deciding on our own. We never dealt with this before. Maybe we should. It's the oldest kid. I think it's fine to very respectfully, very respectfully, not challenging, say um, to your husband, can we please discuss this with our Rav, or our rebbe or our Rosh Hashiva, whoever it is, I'd feel much better if we get clarity on something that we never dealt with before. Now there's two ways to say that. There's a way to say it that makes a husband feel untrusted um, and challenged, and it becomes a me, you, and, and the Rosh Hashiva will decide who's right, and it becomes now a debate, and we need a referee. Well, there's a way to say it respectfully. You're probably right. It will make me feel better. Would you mind if we please get guidance on this? And in most cases, um, I, I think it should, I think it should go over well, and that's usually the right way to do things. A, a, a mother definitely has an opinion; and you're entitled to one, especially when it comes to something that you know she has strong feelings about, or for whatever reason she feels it could have a you know, big effect on the kid and, and whatever else. Not a question. To make a fuss beyond that, beyond your husband's opinion and and your das Torah opinion, to make a fuss. But I don't think. But my therapist. But my sister is wrong. I have nothing to add. Not a, not a question. Not a question. There's another idea that I talk about often about not making a khinich issue into a shalom bias issue, which means that even if for whatever reason something about the children is bothering you, make sure that it doesn't become a new issue, which is called a shalom bias issue. It's a khinich issue. You want to find out what the right thing to do is? Find out. You want to deal with it? Go ahead. There's ways to deal with a khinich issue and there's ways to deal with it wrong even. But, but it, it's, as long as it's still concerning the issue that you have is one thing, but now it's rolling over into something else and if it was taking things personally, and you, and you don't know how to communicate anymore, and, and, and the lack of trust is rolling over into everything else, it's not a question. That's certainly not a way to go. And you're not helping your children by having less strong bias, um, you know, just because you're you you doing something that, that worked for your sister's friend. So that's that's very clear. Now, let me let me address something which wasn't part of the question. Right? You're making b'mitzvah. So let's talk about about uh, what I started off with. Bi'esed tia al azeneko. To assume that either locking your kid into a room or telling him certain things, which will, like this he will know that he should or shouldn't do something, to, to assume that that's the magic and from here on your kid is good because you told him, I, th- I think it's, it's rather silly and unreasonable to think that that's all it takes. Um, kids, and teenagers, and boys, and girls, and everyone else, is definitely heading into a stage in life where they might be challenged. They probably will be challenged. And to just assume what I told him is the answer I think it's I think it's very um, it's, it's very it's very unreasonable to think that's all it works that that's all it is now let me just say this anyone who anyone who has teenagers or anyone who's, who's having a abucher shouldn't go in any extreme direction of either assuming that all will be good because he grew up in a healthy home my kid must be no problem or burying their head in the sand and just not wanting to see and not wanting to know if if the kid's okay or getting OCD about the fact that Oh, he's a teenager, and it's terrible today what we hear, and he must be struggling, and I'm sure he is, and he needs therapy, or well, nothing happened yet. Or panicking when you do see that there's some problem, and you found him doing something wrong, or whatever it is, and then to go into panic mode and think that he must, he must be going over the Any, Those are all extreme reactions. The, the, there's a balance of being reasonable, understanding what a kid might be dealing with, knowing how to... Keep an open eye for it, but not being the helicopter parent. Knowing how to not panic when something does go a little wrong, and knowing that, yeah, it's relatively expected for a teenager to have certain challenges, and learning how to deal with them. You know, those are all um, definitely very important. In general, to have, a, to have some kind of mentor in place, when and if possible, that a boy could talk to him, feel good about him. not always will he be open with his parents, and things like that. It's not a question, that that's also very helpful. Very helpful. And like I started off with, you know, building a kid and, and trying to invest in him however much you could, only, only however much you could. Hashem and Hashem and a and Betochem and Yiddishkeit that's definitely at least as strong as anything else you're going to put into place to save him from being challenged. If he has what it takes and, and you build him up then, then he's good. And part of building him up is not just what you're feeding him but, but uh, you know, make, making him believe in himself. Making him feel like he's a good boy, like he's Yiddish like, shemayim, like he's an early boy. Seeing, seeing the good in him and, and pointing it out and showing how impressed you are and making him think, like divorce from the Ba'am Amchaim, the Khafartu he should be ashamed to do something wrong because I'm a great boy. My mother told it to me every, every day. So, all these things about building teenagers is at least as important as anything you're going to try to do to protect a kid you know, from, from having any problem. And that's something that only, only a father and mother could do you know, to really boost a kid and make him feel like a million dollars. Not a question. I saw, I saw I'm just going to repeat two short stories. Um, that came, came my way this week, this past week, and if, I, I was thinking about this topic over here. One was about the Spinka, Rebbe Rebbe Herschel, the Spinka. He was once, I think it was in the middle of the Akufis or a middle of the maybe. Whatever it was, there was something going on in shield and he was dancing with the Teuter. It was it was exciting. Um, and, and all of a sudden there was a commotion. And what was the commotion? Everyone was turning around, and there was some older people, and some, boy, they were fighting around or something in shield. And Mahershala Spinka gave away the sefetajah to somebody, he gave, he gave it over, and he walked over to see what was going on, and he noticed that it was his son, who was a bukhur, that, that had some kind of conflict with some older person, and people were screaming at the boy, he was a chitzbik, or whatever, why. And Mahershala Spienke went over, and basically, the way the way, it was, uh, the way the way I read the story, basically stuck up for his son, which wasn't expected. He stuck up for him, and he calmed him down, he said, no, calm down, why, why are you screaming at him, what did he do wrong? He stuck up for a son. And he explained himself afterwards, he said, listen, I realized that as a Rebbe in the Sheol, my responsibility might have been you know, to, to do what's right, to stick up for the older person, etc., you know, different ways of, uh, or, or, or to tell my son that he's wrong. But as a father, I had to realize that he only has one father. And if the Rebbe in the Sheol is not his father because he's a Rebbe, then, then he's left with nothing. Nobody's sticking up for him. Everyone's screaming at my son. So I took off the um, you know, coat uh, or, or identity, and I became a father, and I stuck up for him. Later, of course, he told the son what he did wrong, and he gave and was mechamechem. But the idea of, he only has one father, and if I'm not going to do it for him, nobody will, that, that was, that's very powerful. Very powerful. So any mitzvah boy who's entering in a new challenging stage and has two people, a father and a mother, that really back him and believe in him, is definitely a bit, uh, uh, quite a bit ahead of anyone else when it comes to withstanding um, challenges and, and being protected from anything that, 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 that could be very difficult going forward. Another story I'll just mention from a Talmud I heard this from the Baal Amais himself or of a Talmud of Rebelski and Rebelski was pushing him a few times to to, to be a Dain and sit and Dintoyrus and to uh, you know to you shouldn't be afraid he, he wanted to be a Dain he kept on saying he doesn't want to be he doesn't think he could or whatever for whatever reason he was resisting and one time he's sitting and learning and he gets a message that she is calling you he goes upstairs to Rebelski's room and there's a whole commotion there there's a there's a a Taveya and a Nitva and A Toyan and people come and a whole entire going on. Ribelski is sitting there with one dying on the side, and as he opens the door, Rebelsky says, Oh, the other dying is here, come, take a seat. And that gave him the confidence to sit there and become a dying, which he which he didn't become. Again, it's just so amazing you know, to learn that, that what, what, what a word of confidence could do when you tell someone you're amazing, you are it already. And I think that very often that's what kids have to hear. I'll end off by saying that if anyone ever experiences that a child, a son, a bakr, whoever it is, comes over to talk to you about something sensitive or something difficult or challenging. Again, like I said before, don't panic and don't scream at him and don't, and don't run away and ignore it. Deal with it. Talk to someone. Find out what you're supposed to do. Address it. Not a question. Regardless of what you're going to be told or taught or educated to say or not say before anything comes up, it's not a question that by the time something does come up, it has to be addressed. Not a question. So with that, I'll just end off by saying that in Ibsh If we're if we're able to build up our children and give them what they need uh, before they bump into challenges, and hopefully that alone will definitely do a lot. And without that, it's not a question that things can be difficult. And i believe often that we try our best, we follow that Torah, we follow with confidence whatever we're being told to do, regardless of how we feel or what we think or what other people are saying. And I believe we should all be able to see a lot of naches from our children.